Okay, so there was this one fly in my office at work, and I think its sole purpose is to make me crazy. And I got home, and there was one fly here. So if you hear crashing and things, it's me doing battle. Believe me, I understand. All of a sudden, you're sitting there, and all of a sudden, something flies by your face. Yeah. And I'm going, you got this whole apartment. And they're in your face. Why am I so important? Right. Right. I could I could live with it if it would stay away from me. But, it, yeah, it keeps flying directly in my face, around my head. Yep. So I kept on saying, you must die. <laughs> so if you hear things crashing about, it's just me. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? Yes, I am. Okay. Hello and welcome to Yeah, that can't be good A rewatch podcast of the sci-fi original series Eureka The longest running original series on the sci-fi channel to date Thanks for joining us If you'd like to leave a comment You can do that on our website EurekaRewatch.com On our Facebook page Facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch Or on Twitter At Eureka Rewatch Let's get going Here's Doug with the Voodoo Synopsis. Season 1, Episode 11, House Rules. Upset by the negative attitudes threatening Eureka, Sarah, the smart house, decides to take corrective action and lures the town's main players into her lair and puts herself on lockdown. Writing credits, Jamie Paglia, Andrew Cosby, and Harry Victor. Directed by Jeff Wolnaw. Original air date, September 26, 2006. Thank you, Doug. Hi, this is Vicki, and I'm back for episode 11, House Rules, and I'm here with my co-host, Kim. Hi, everybody. We're getting close to the season finale. We got through faster than I thought we would get through it, so that's exciting. At least we'll have one season under our belts, and like I said in a couple of the other episodes, we are really working on the audio, and I think pretty much we've got it under control, so... Hopefully going into the second season, it'll be a hundred times better. This is Vicky jumping back in through a temporal anomaly to say that I spoke too soon when I said we had resolved our audio problems. We have resolved, for the most part, that crackling broken speaker sound that drives me crazy, but later on in this episode there is quite a lot of background noise that I couldn't really edit out without ruining the conversation. So instead of making it sound lopsided, I left it all in. We now return you to your originally recorded podcast. Let's get started. Um, In this episode, we know Henry's leaving Eureka. Carter is frustrated with everything. And Sarah is having a tantrum. Where do you want to start? We'll start from the beginning because, you know, everybody is being aggravated, disappointed. 
Right. Work out while she locked them up. This can almost be like a continuation, like the part two of Purple Haze, because everybody still seems to be a little bit aggravated with each other about everything that happened in Purple Haze with all the truths that came out. And I said in the last episode I did with Dud Gramley that Nathan and uh, Allison, they seem to be off and on and on and off, and they're signing divorce papers, and then it seems like they're back together. Mm-hmm. And then in Purple Haze, the same thing. They were on a date or date night at Allison's house. She got mad at Nathan because he was really only interested in the artifact. And by the end of the episode, Allison was the one who brought him back from the artifact. And they were hugging, and it seemed like, again, they were getting back together. Now, in this episode, they seem to be just as snippy with each other as they were before the last episode. I don't know what the deal is with them, but everybody seems to be on each other's nerves. The episode starts with Carter's in GD, and he is dragging a scientist out of a lab that exploded. And they're all covered in soot, and he tries to arrest the scientist. And, of course, Nathan comes and says he can't arrest him. He was doing his job. Yeah. Just like Nathan did in the last episode when he wanted to arrest Fargo because he thought Fargo hit Seth in the head with a shovel. And Nathan says, no, he has to work. Although Carter took him anyway, but it just seems like no matter what Carter tries to do, there's pushback from every direction. And he is getting really frustrated. And I think adding to his frustration is the thought of Henry leaving. Carter decides he's not going to go back to work. He's going to take a sick day. And then he takes another sick day. And Sarah, after offering to miss him with vanilla. (laughs) (laughs) That's horrible. I know that makes me laugh because I cannot stand the smell of vanilla. That would give me such a headache. And I just think that's so funny that she says, may I miss you with vanilla? (laughs) (laughs) She said, can I breathe you? Right. I would like that better. Yes. She decides to text everybody with a different emergency, and they all come running to to Carter's house. Mm -hmm. And she locks them in until they solve their problem. She's trying to solve their problem. That's still easier said than done. Yeah. She does say, you know, Henry's leaving, and Carter's thinking about leaving, and the results could be catastrophic, which they kind of could if you really think about it, because... Carter and Henry are the ones who figure out everything. Left to their own devices, these other people, they're intelligent and they're scientists, but they can never come up with what they need to come up with to solve all the problems that have to be solved. That's true. So what did you think about up to this part where where they discover that Sarah is the one who locked him in? Well, she does explain the reason why, because everybody's upset. And it's even in the midst of all that, they still... Yeah, they animosity towards each other, but um, they just got more interested once they tried to kind of shock Sarah. Yes. And then they ended up getting Brad. Yes. And then things took a turn, an ugly turn. But even when they were all isolated in those separate compartments, some of them talked out their differences. Allison was upset that Carter was just going to leave. We find out, finally how Henry got to Eureka, that it was Nathan that brought him to Eureka. Right, because Nathan was his student. Right. He brought Henry to Eureka under protest by whoever the powers that be because Henry doesn't like to work within the system. And Henry's annoyed, and he said this before, that everything he does or anything that's ever invented, somehow they turn it into a weapon. Mm -hmm. 
And I think they have a good talk. You know, Nathan says people like him don't get to do the work they want to do without people like Nathan fending off the DOD and, you know, glad-handing to raise money for all of these things that they event. Right. Carter and Allison have a talk. She tells him that he's important and he's important to her. And she seems really upset that he was thinking about leaving, which is a good thing. Well, wow, but I still couldn't understand the connection between Fargo and Beverly. I don't think there was one. I think they... Because actually, Joe, which we'll get to, Joe and Tagger also got a 911 from Carter. Right. Not from Carter, from Sarah. So they should have been in that room too, realistically. But they right. just got there too late and everybody had figured out that Sarah was the one who sent the text so she couldn't risk opening the door. But technically... Joe and uh, Taggart should be in that room, who I don't think have a conflict with anybody except maybe Joe and Carter, but I think they're starting to come together a little bit better, you know? Yeah, but Fargo, doesn't he like Joe? He does, yes. And be more than friends, so that's what I'm thinking there. Yeah, maybe. with, um, oh God, what's his name? Taggart? Yeah, um, him and... Beverly, don't they have some kind of animosity going? Far- I don't know. Yeah, at one point did she say he needs counseling or something or offer it at one of the episodes? Be- Beverly to Fargo? No, oh, related to um, Jim. Jim and Beverly. Oh, probably. Don't you know how Jim always does something yeah. off the wall? Yeah. And then sometimes when she's in his presence, she's always giving him that look like, Oh, yeah. You kind of need counseling. <laughs> I'm sure everybody thinks he needs counseling. (laughs) Yeah, but I don't think there was anything really big between Fargo and Beverly. They just happened to be in that room together. Together. In that section together. You know, maybe I'm wrong, and if anybody listening knows anything different that's not in future episodes, send us an email or something. But as far as I know, I don't think there's anything between them... But, you know, Beverly spilled everybody's secrets. So, you know, she started with Allison, and before Carter got to her, she was already on Perkins. So who knows what she spilled about Fargo in between that we didn't hear. Yeah, that's true. So there could be animosity between... Well, there is, obviously, animosity between everybody. Beverly keeps saying she apologized. And at one point, she says to Allison, are you upset because I told your secrets, or are you upset because you think I might be right? Although we don't know what her real secrets were. We don't know what she said. We know what she said to her in the restaurant in the last episode. But we don't know what Allison, I mean, what Beverly announced to the town. But I assume it has to have something to do with Nathan and Carter. Could be. Because that was pretty much part of their conversation in the episode before. So then we have Joe and Taggart, who, like I said, got a 911 call from Carter. And they were out doing paintball together. Are you going to get upset? <laughs> no, I'll be all right. Yeah. I had, and the sad part is that one point I'm going, Dad, they kind of look alike. <laughs> yeah, I, I am getting over it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but they get to Carter's house. Sarah lets Carter talk to her, but he can't say anything. You know, they see all the cars there, so they know he's really not alone, but he's telling them he's alone with Sarah, and he calls her Josephina. Mm-hmm. And she's not happy 
with that. But I think they have grown together as a working partnership enough that she figures out that means he wouldn't do that unless he was trying to tell her something. Right. That something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So while everybody's stuck in the bunker, we have the B-plot of Joe and Tagger going through the tunnels trying to get to the bunker because now there's a force field in front of it. So nobody can even get in the door anymore. Yeah. Oh, and we forgot that. Um, was it Brad or Sarah? Was it still Sarah or was it Brad who killed the pizza guy? Uh, it was Brad. It was still it was Brad yeah. at that point, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> we don't really see that many people get killed in Eureka. Nah. I mean, he was a character that wasn't like he was there for a minute and gone anyway. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> but usually it's, you know, a scientist will blow himself up or disappear or something, but we never really see them kill, like, innocent bystanders. It's very rare. But right. Brad decided he was an intruder. And Brad stands for Battle Reactive Automatic Defense. Yeah, because he was built for war. He was, Yeah, he was built for war, and Fargo built Sarah over Brad's program, apparently. And that's why Henry was upset, too, because he even pointed that out. Yes. that. Um, well, first he pointed out that Fargo tried to do something, take something warlike and turn it into something good. And then he thought it was funny that this something good has now gone back to something that's warlike and has locked them all in there. It seems like, even though it's Brad and they're locked in, I think Nathan and Henry got a lot of stuff hashed out. While they were trapped in there? Yes. At this time, we didn't know it was there was such a huge conflict between them. You know, you knew there was a conflict between Carter and Nathan, and Allison and Nathan, but we didn't know there was such a huge conflict between Nathan and Henry. Right, and then I didn't know the relationship between them either. Right, because up until this point, like I said a hundred times, I've seen the whole thing. I don't know how far you are now, but people, somebody watching it right up to this point has no idea what Henry's purpose is. He owns a garage. He's the smartest guy in town, so why does he own a garage? You know? I mean, I know what his purpose is or what why he was there to begin with, and maybe you do. I don't know how many episodes you're ahead of this. You know, so that was good that they got to explain why Henry was there and what he was doing there. And... Pretty much what he said to Nathan was everything he said in the last episode. You know, all the work he tried, everything gets turned into military or government weapons. And he wasn't happy, you know. He he wants to invent things for the good of people, not for war and military use. And then we just have a lot of Taggart and Joe in the tunnels trying to find the bunker from underground. And they finally get through one door and figure out they're underneath the bunker. At this point, Carter and um, Allison wrap themselves in Carter's bathrobe to keep warm because their section is freezing, while Fargo and Beverly are, I guess it's all heat in that section, and some kind of gas blowing into, yeah, blowing into Henry and Nathan's compartment. So Nathan sees Carter with the bathrobe around Allison and hugging her, so he's not happy. But Fargo figures out that Brad either has to win the battle or he will take a surrender. So he talks Beverly into hugging him, and she doesn't want to, but she does. And then he, you know, signals to Nathan and Henry to 
to hug so they could pretend they're surrendering. And it works. Temporarily. Temporarily, yeah. It's temporarily because then at one point he knows it's under false pretense and that's when he starts getting mad. Because Beverly says, oh, I wish therapy was that easy, but if all problems could be solved with a hug, I'd be out of business. So he knows that they're just faking it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now he's mad, and now he starts sucking the oxygen out of the place. Yeah, that's when they rip. What did they rip? Was it his favorite book or magazine? You know, every time I keep trying to read the closed captioning to see what he says, He's. I think he was reading a comic book. But I don't know what the name of the comic book was, because I think that's what he says when he tells Nathan <laughs> not to rip it. But yeah, he, and he ripped it anyway. Yeah, he did. And that's when Joe and Taggart start knocking on the pipes. And Jack um, answers in Morse code. Yeah, they give them Morse code. Yep. So they're trying to explain how to tell them what to do to save them. And, you know, Henry gives him this big, long explanation, and he says, well, we're, we're all going to be dead by the time I tap that out. So Nathan says, crack pipe. <laughs> it's Morse code. Joe and Tag. You're on the subsystem. Okay, what, what do we tell them? Tell them to sever the outtake. Conduit. To interrupt the vacuum flow. You do realize we'll die before I'm more solid. Crack. Pipe. Crack. Two words I never thought I'd hear from your mouth. So they do that. They send that message, and it took a minute, but Joe and Taggart got it, and they are able to break a pipe to let the air back in. So they could breathe again, at least. Yeah. They're still stuck in there, though. They could breathe, but they're still stuck, and Joe and Taggart... Just kind of give up the rescue mission and go off and do whatever. Yeah. I wasn't going to bring that up because I didn't want to upset you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> glaze into each other's eyes. <laughs> Just like a Hallmark movie. <laughs> yeah, and she kisses him. Yep. And it's all for nothing. Yep. So they don't care about the rest of the rescue. They're done. <laughs> <laughs> but at that point, they see on the screen that Zoe comes home and that, that gun comes up. Because Mm -hmm. it's still Brad, and they're still locked in there. Carter takes his bat and starts hammering away at the nuclear generator. And I'm still not clear if if he did any damage with the generator. I couldn't figure that out either. Yeah. Part of me is like, you know, you may not be able to totally cut it off, but you know how sometimes if you just bruise something in a minute, it'll stop? Right, because Henry says, well, you didn't really do anything to it. So I was never clear if he did something and then Sarah's backup system kicked in or if Sarah somehow got her backup system. Oh, okay. Yeah, that could be it, too. I'm not sure. What are you doing? Who, me? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway... I think at one point that could have been even almost like a memory jog too when he was beating it and then Sarah came back. That's what I was wondering if Sarah did it was able to do it herself from him or if he actually did some damage to that because it didn't sound like he did the way Henry described it. He said you didn't really do anything to it, but you ruined your bat. So the gun goes down and Zoe's saved. You know, I love this show, but some of her dialogue is ridiculous. Because the first thing she says is, Oh, you're allowed to have a party and I'm not? Who says that to their parent? 
Right. When I was a kid, things didn't work like that. It sure enough didn't. I mean, could you imagine saying, no, you're allowed to have a party and I'm not? Yeah. Right. I mean, some of her dialogue, even in other episodes, is kind of ridiculous. But, all right. <laughs> like, why would she think he could never have a party? Because she can't. Of course she can't. Okay. She's 15 or something. So anyway, after Sarah kicks in, she still wants them to settle their differences, which they kind of have, really. Carter was telling them at the beginning it was a fantasy, but it wasn't a fantasy. He really wanted to leave. And Zoe asked him, is this all about Henry? And I, I, I think a lot of it was about Henry because Henry's probably his best friend there in Eureka. But I think some of it was about Nathan and Allison. Oh, yeah. Because at the end of the last episode, when they were in the tunnel where the artifact is, Allison was hugging him and telling him, I need you, and blah, blah, blah. So I think some of it was about Allison, but I think a lot of it was about Henry leaving because he said Henry's the glue, and which is true. Yeah. He's the one you call for everything. Then Carter realizes that it's it's not that Eureka's in imminent danger. It's that she's afraid of being abandoned. She's afraid that Carter's going to leave. Right, like she was abandoned before. Right. And I said earlier, she's a smart house, but she has her own personality. And she's right. almost like a person. <laughs> so. catches some feelings. Right, right. Are you walking outside or something? No. Uh-uh, and I'm sitting in the chair with the fans on me. Is that it? Somebody maybe, else did the same thing. Maybe that's it. Wait a minute, hold It on. sounds like you're in a wind tunnel. Yeah, somebody else said, I'm sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so, you know what's funny? I don't know what episode it was. I think it was Dr. Nobel. And we were talking about watching it on Amazon and how the actors come up. Mm-hmm. on the screen and I said I didn't know I never knew that because I watch it on my TV mm-hmm. but I watch Amazon on my TV and the actors never came up and it was funny like a day or so after we recorded it mm-hmm. all of a sudden the actors are coming up on my TV they never oh. did ever did that before and it was that day remember the day we, we were supposed to record and I couldn't because the whole day before Amazon wouldn't work Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think something changed in the settings or something because of that day, because it was the day after that all of a sudden all these actors came up. I mean, I, I can't tell you how many years I've had Amazon on my TV and never did any of that come up. It was really weird that we just talked about it. That's how I, I try to remember everybody's name. I'll, I'll pull it up so I can and write it down and try to remember everybody's name. Yeah. It was just weird because I never knew it did that. Because you and the pizza guy didn't have a name. Right. It was it was the pizza guy. Pizza guy. <laughs> yeah, he was memorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Carter tells Sarah that for now he's staying where he is. Allison says she's not going anywhere, and Nathan says he's not going anywhere. And I don't think Henry ever actually gives an answer. No, but it's a look on his face. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think she was worried about Henry. She was worried about Jack leaving. So that was good enough for her. My thing is, though, because she said there is two components, and it was Jack and Henry. Mm-hmm. She was secure with with Jack, but I think, and she was okay, because I think that maybe at one point she thinks that Jack had changed his mind, or she even felt it. It was still the two. It was basically 
just those two that she was more worried about than anybody else. Right, but I think that her imminent danger thing was an exaggeration on her part to make Jack change his mind, even yeah. if Henry did leave. Because Henry never gave an answer, and she let him go. Well, I think maybe she felt that ease because at least everybody got everything off their chest. Because even though sometimes they say that even people with multiple personalities, mm-hmm. the other ones are still listening. Yes. So even though she, Brad was there, Sarah was still there. She just didn't have control. Right. So maybe that's what she got uh, felt. You know, and then took over when, you know, whatever happened with Brad. Yeah, but they did seem to work out a lot of their problems while they were locked up. So even though it wasn't the way to go about it, they did did seem to work. sometimes it's a good thing. You lock people in a room, hey, that's what they call interventions for. Yeah, that's true, but I guess you don't lock them in the room and take their oxygen. (laughs) (laughs) But that's good. Well, well, you got to remember, Sarah was doing it on a... Right. You know, she was being nice about it, but Brad jumped in and right. just went, I'm not hearing that. Right. So, um, you know, the next morning, that was kind of funny, too. The next morning, you see all the furniture covered, and there's a skylight with a ladder installed. And then she asks them to take another sick day, and they all just like, no, no. No, no. <laughs> so I really like this episode. Even though they don't go anywhere, they're in the house the whole time. I, I really like this episode. What about you? Oh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Because it's all the personalities all in one. Yeah. You know, and then at one point, it's, uh, you're also trying to survive. Right. And then there, at one point, everybody's, you know, even pitching ideas on what we can do or what might not work or, you know, talk. It's, right. You know, it's almost like being in those adventure rooms that they have now. You are kind of locked in. Yeah. And you got to kind of figure out what you're going to do. Have you ever gone to one of those? Yes, I have. Did you like it? or? Yes, I did. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yes, I did. Because everybody's personality is different. Yeah. Everybody's way of thing is kind of different. So we had five of us in the room. There was a whole group of us. It was for my sister-in-law's wedding. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I'm sorry. It was her birthday. I'm sorry. Her okay. birthday. And we all went. And uh, so it was five of us, and there was another five in the other room. Two separate rooms. And we have to try to figure out, you know, to go from room to room. Three rooms. So to me, it's almost like the same concept. What are we going to do to get out this room? And everybody kind of gave, even if it was even moral support, mm-hmm. you are still, you're still a valuable person in the room. So that's what it kind of reminds me of is that that's an adventure room. How are we getting up out of here? I've never done that. I mean, I've, I've heard of it. You got to try it. it. It is nice. That sounds fun, though. It is. It was. It was. It was a lot of fun. Like I said, I really enjoyed it because it had you thinking. Yeah, I love figuring things out. Yeah, well, maybe one of these days I'll try it. <laughs> <laughs> if you need somebody to go, but I'll go. Again. I'll call you. Yeah. yeah, they're supposed to be all different ones and in different places. But yeah, I would do. Oh, I would definitely do it. Oh, cool. All right. Is there anything else in the episode that we skipped over that you wanted to talk about? I know. I think that we covered everything. My other note was. This is where Jim and Deputy Joe. <laughs> <laughs> and I just ended it with that. That's it. That's where Deputy Joe. Yeah. All right. So if there's nothing else, we will be back next week for the season finale. All right. So we'll see you all next week. Have a great week. Okay, DC, tell us what's next. 
come back next time for for the last episode of season one. Once in a lifetime. See you next week. Bye now. Yeah. Please remember to follow us on our Facebook page. Yeah, that can't be good. At facebook.com backslash Eureka Rewatch. Or on Twitter at Eureka Rewatch. Links to information discussed during our podcasts will be added to our website at EurekaRewatch.com. You can also listen to our podcast on Podbean. If you'd like to send us an email, please email us at EurekaRewatch at gmail. We would love to hear from you.